0: The fighting is done. I step into the light of your great love. I'm breathing, breathing again. You tore the bag that was on my head. I don't have. I don't want to fight you Never heard of the sun and the sky. What I was missing was your love, your colors, your light.
1: This is the Endurance Church podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. Once again, who has plans uh, this afternoon or this evening? Anybody have plans? Somebody want to share those plans with me right now? You can just shout it out going to my house. (laughs) Now, this is a setup. I'm just letting you know. So, just just let you know before I I come come back around on you. But nevertheless, anybody have plans? Ribs and wings. Oh, no. Pray for the pastor. (laughs) Anybody have any um, strategic plans for 2019? Anybody have any plans for 2019? Just shout them out if you have a plan. Just... That's what it is. (laughs) Anybody else have... Plans for 2019? Pay the bills. Anybody have a five-year plan? Everybody, I mean, out of debt, somebody, five-year plan? Anybody have a 10-year plan? Pay the house off. The house off. School, Somebody school. Anybody else, 10-year plan? Retire? Uh-oh. Got to Katrina. <laughs> Anybody have any 20-year plans? No travel. Uh oh. <laughs> Allah. Anybody? Stay alive. Stay alive. <laughs> We're up, real, real up in here. Up in here. <laughs> so you talk about plans, right? Um. Where does God fit in those plans? Everywhere. Anybody else? Somebody else? His plan. Today's uh, a topic that I, when I first looked at this scripture, I'm like, oh, man. And as a pastor, sometimes you're like, man, this is not something I want to preach about. Uh, because at this church, we prepare our sermons two and a half years. In, well, I prepare my sermons two and a half years in, in advance. So um, years ago, I prepared this sermon. So this week when this sermon came up, I'm like, oh, man, can I change it? No, I I wouldn't be uh, honest or have integrity. I believe I change it based upon what the topic is because I believe that's how God speaks. So if you know I didn't look into your life or have a conversation or look on Facebook, then if it's speaking to your heart, my hope is that you'll be more apt to believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you rather than me kind of looking at your life and calling you out, right? So if you're being called out, because one or t- one time or two times you may say it's coincidence, but if you come up in here every Sunday and you're hearing God say something, then you know God is saying something to you. It's a risk I, I took as a pastor because when I was in the seminary, they told me to do the opposite. Like I'm supposed to prepare every week. Some, some people prepare 40 hours a week for the sermon that week. I, I don't do that. I prepared a year or two and a half ago for today. So my hope is if you hear God speaking to you this morning, then you'll know that God is saying something, not Anthony Emmanuel Bass, a guy who may or may not know you well. This Sunday is a Super Bowl Sunday, and this year we're not doing outreach. We hope to pick that up again next year, but today we're just going to get together, have a good time, hang out, talk, and love on each other, and um, I encourage you to come if you have the opportunity. Also, Haley, I'm excited about the Feed My Starving Children opportunity. If you can, uh, please sign up. Please talk to Haley. We want to be a church that not only believes in the scriptures and in the integrity of the scriptures, we want to make sure that God changes and we bear fruit for his glory. Amen. Well, uh, we watched the, the video, and basically my hope is it began to help you think about the future. My dad is a science fiction buff, so he likes Star Wars and Star Trek and Battlestar Galactica and Star Voyagers and Star... Ga- you you kind of get where I'm going with this, right? Nevertheless, he loved science fiction. Now, my dad came from a time of modernism, and if you don't understand how our different time epics go, modernism was the thought that started during the Enlightenment period. Everybody know Leonardo da Vinci. You may not know him personally, but may have heard of him. So Leonardo da Vinci started this one concept, this one thought, that, that from man himself or herself, all truth is discovered starting from man as the absolute reference point of life. And from the Enlightenment, and the, even until now, this thought which we now call secularism or naturalism is the common way most people see and think about life. So, for instance, when I tell you the Bible is a book that's based upon God, most people who believe in Christianity wouldn't have a problem. But if I say, if you don't believe in miracles, you don't believe in the Bible, you may have a problem, right? Because the Bible is a book full of miracles. The miraculous is part embedded, ingrained in the Scripture. You can't get away from it. However, in our day-to-day life, we say, well, I don't see any miracles happening around here, around here. Now, you have to understand the word miracle itself means unique. Miracles do happen today. And we can sit down and have a sermon about them and talk about them. We can read books about miracles, but God ain't just up here doing miracles left and right because we'll be more enticed by the miracles than the one who creates the miracles himself, and that's God. So God asks us to worship him and trust him, and that's what this life's about, Do you trust God? Do you trust Him? And if you don't trust God, then that's your war in this life. There's a space between what you believe about God, if it's doctrinally or if it's empirically, and the reality of how much you trust that information. We here at Endurance Church believe that worship is bowing your will to the will of God. This sermon series for the past uh, six months, seven months now, has been about the Father heart of God. We believe the word heart is tantamount to will. So every time you hear about the Father's heart, you're really hearing about God's will. And remember when Jesus, when the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying right before he was crucified. What did he say? He said, not my will, but your will be done. That is the essence of true worship. Do you, are you, or can you surrender your free will willingly to God? Now, if you say yes, then you're on the right path. That's the process of salvation, being made right with God, when you trust God for the rest of your life. But this is the problem most people miss. Um, today, uh, as I leave this job, I, I have, we had a plan as a church for a Super Bowl event and on my job, we, we plan uh, a, a t- five-year long-term plan for the, the current job I work by vocational pastor. So I work for the Greater Twin Cities United Way as a senior program manager for community engagement and learning. And at that job, I'm part of a five-year plan. I'm, I'm here to help work out a five-year plan. Now, part of that plan at the Greater Twin Cities United Way, you know what didn't happen one time? Nobody prayed over that plan. Nobody said, is this God's will? How many people at your job, you pray and seek God's will before you plan? Anybody? One, two, a couple of people working. Oh, okay. Yeah. Amen. That's true. But most of us by and large do not. Now you may have the fortune of working in the scenario where it's a Christian organization. And in that organization, you may seek God's will. We here at this church, at the beginning of the year, we do something called a fast, a 21-day fast. Our hope is in time that we as a church will begin our planning session around the time of the fast. How many people in your personal lives, that you and your spouse, if you're married or by yourself, if you're single, that, that you sit down and you pray, what does God want me to do this year? Two, three, four, five. (laughs) <laughs> Six, seven. How many Lord, what is it that you want me to accomplish this year? How many people pray daily and ask God, God, what is it you want me to do today? One, two, three. Francis Schaeffer Francis Schaeffer had this thought and it was revolutionary to me because now I just got it. Because sometimes you're reading something, you're trying to gain insight. But oftentimes if you're reading something from Christ led by the Holy Spirit, you get what you call it a revelation. At uncovering. The information was always there. As Christians, we are saved, but then we're being sanctified. And that's the part I believe most believers miss it. Because sanctification is a lifelong process, but the truth is, it plays out in our life moment by moment. If you get this, you'll get probably half the service. Everything we do should come from the filter of our relationship with God since we are saved. And since you are saved, you should be seeking God moment by moment. There are people that are wrestling with sins in their life right now, even though they're saved. But the truth is, they're not thinking about God moment by moment. They say, oh, I'm thinking about God on Sunday. I'm right now. Monday or Sunday evening, man, I'm Netflix and chill. I'm watching The Punisher, season two, episode five, I'm binging. Monday comes around, oh, I ain't got time for God right now. I'll pick up God, oh, maybe before you go to bed, you pray a little. And you wake up, you say, hey, thank you, God. And then you go about your day. And then maybe you're driving and the car slips on ice. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you. And then you don't think about God again until maybe time for devotions. The truth is, since we are saved, we are to bow our will to God moment by moment. Now, that's a challenge because I've seen people, they read the Bible six hours a day, but they were actually committed because they had mental instabilities because they thought being close to God is simply reading the Bible. But that's not being close to God, necessarily. We talk about these disciplines we do here at the church, and disciplines themselves aren't God. They're not a, simply a check marks. And we're good. We, we fill out our list. The disciplines position us to get closer to Him. But hopefully, you'll get to the point in your life where you're always God conscious. So, you see, sometimes people are Christians, and they're doing stuff, and you're like, well, that ain't, that ain't Jesus. Where's Jesus? Like, how could you possibly think that's okay? Like, and the scripture's right here. And that's the beauty of the scripture, because it helps renew our mind. So that we begin to think like Jesus moment by moment. Some of us are looking for these aha moments that we got it. Oh, God spoke to me, and we're good, and we're running. But we don't realize that you need to commune with God moment by moment. Here, James, the elder, who is Jesus' what? Brother. This is actually Jesus' half-brother. This is one of the brothers Jesus had that basically didn't believe he was actually the Messiah. And said, will not you go up, up, up there with those people and earn a feast? Go get killed, basically. Like, turn yourself in. He said, no one who claims to be the Messiah or who, who wants to be seen will be hidden. Like, go out in the open. This same James, this... Jesus' brother ends up getting saved and becoming the head of the church in Jerusalem. This James. He was saved, most people think, around 80, 33, and 36. But we know he died in 62. So this book was written in between 32 and 62. That sounds like helium, but I'm good with it. So nevertheless, James, he's writing this epistle, this letter to the church or the Jews or the messianic Jews have been dispersed throughout the world. So understand this, when he's writing this letter, it's written not to a specific group of Christians, but it's written to a a part of Christianity that happens to be Jewish. At this time, the Gentiles haven't just taken over the church, praise God. So, at this time, most of the church is simply Jewish. So, understand, this is the background of the letter. So, after the Babylonian captivities, some of the Jews came back, but they didn't go to Jerusalem. So, they kind of stayed dispersed throughout all the world. And they began to pick up their lives and live a life outside of Jerusalem. Now, during certain feasts, many of them would come back. But by and large, they stayed away from Jerusalem. Now, while they were away, they didn't have agriculture to make money off of, but they still needed to make money. So a lot of Jews were industrious. They, they started businesses, and they started doing a lot of things, and then become very successful. But you have to understand here, James is trying to get them to think critically about how they are living their life. In chapter 4, it's really interesting. If you look at chapter 4 in James, most of the chapters about one point pride. He goes on to talk about, in a sense, you're, you're proud because, and he lists a variety of things. You're judging people. You're not walking in humility, the way you're interacting with people. But we get down to verse 13, something very specific happens. And we're going to start there today. I got a quote by David Cocker, Copperfield. He are boned. We got Copperfield up in here. He says, my dreams are my dress rehearsals for my future. I have dreams too. I have hopes. I have plans. I think about a Range Rover. (laughs) That's like the inside joke, but it may not be inside for long. But nevertheless, I talk about the Vikings winning the Super Bowl. Maybe eventually get the house, getting out of debt. Like I have dreams. I want. I want to see my kids who are in Georgia. Like I have dreams. I have plans, too, to make those dreams come to reality. I live a life. I live in certain ways so that hopefully I can financially achieve those dreams. Most of us are doing that. I don't believe in debt. Am I alone? Okay, maybe. But nonetheless, I don't believe in debt. I'm trying to get out of debt. So I'm trying to live a life free of debt so that I can, number one, give more to God. But also I have to worry about stressing, about owing somebody some money. And that interest is killing me. I'm just trying to say. So right now, my wife and I are living way below our means so that we can eliminate debt. I have big dreams. There's a song. Is that a song? Anybody got a song on that? No? No? Okay. None that we can sing up in church, right? (laughs) I got you. All right. James chapter 4. James starts off saying, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city. Spend a year there, buy and sell and make profit. Sounds interesting. Now, understand his thought. He's trying, he's talked about pride, but now he's saying, Let me change subject. L- let's think about this. He's focused on a very specific group of people. These people are making money. These people have plans. These people say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a place, a city. Spend a year there, buy and sell and make money. Now, this is not a critique against organization or planning. But understand, this is a critique against a person who thinks they can plan or organize without God. See, the problem is we do our thing. We think the, the, the business side is here. And I sometimes fight against that in our church. Trying to incorporate business principles inside our church. Because I know where marketing comes from. Corporate relationship officer, calling about your territory. Like those are military terms. And a lot of times we bring those thoughts into church and think we're going to replicate God's kingdom using secular means. Here, these people, these Jewish Christians have in a sense forgotten that God is the center of the reality. And they have this portion of their life and they've carved it out without God. And not knowing they've fallen into idolatry. They think they could do this without God. James, Jesus' brother, is checking them. Saying, hold up, player. Listen. Check this out. 14. He says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Stop. Some people don't like to listen to this. You don't even know if you'll be alive tomorrow. We all think that we just got another, what, 80 years to go, 95. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to live that long, y'all. There's no guarantee I'll be here tomorrow. There's no guarantee you will be here tomorrow. For the Christian, it doesn't say tomorrow is guaranteed. It says tomorrow is not promised. But you're like, whoa, I don't even like the way that sounds. It's okay. If you're saved, then thank God, because when you leave this body, you enter the presence of God. That's the, the benefit of being Christian, being saved. That's death no longer is a problem in our lives. Now if death is still a problem, then there's still work. There's still formation needs to happen in your heart regarding death, because all of us are going to die. That's a fact. But just think the billions of human beings, the billions and billions of people who are here on the earth before you are no longer here. They're gone and they're either in heaven or in hell. That's a reality. And truth be told, even death isn't guaranteed to everybody because the Bible talks about a day when we may be changed. We won't have to die. We'll, We'll be given a new body instantly when Jesus comes back. But what is going to happen, what is sure, what is reality is that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the only thing, like they used to say back in the day, only thing I do is die and pay taxes. Is that what it was? There was some other stuff that I can't say. But nevertheless, like we know like all they got to do is like die and pay taxes. Like no, 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 that ain't certain. You may not even die. But but the truth is, you don't know if tomorrow is going to happen for you. He goes on to say, this connector right here, this is an explanation indicated by the literary connector for. For what is your life? He gives it in a rhetorical question. What is your life? You who's make you're making all those plans about what you're going to do about buying and selling, like, what's your life? Now, you would think James would kind of hedge here a little bit like be soft this dude goes all in he goes it is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away you're like jane that don't minister to my heart buddy that don't make me feel like shouting at all like i don't even like where that sounds why because think about what a vapor really is a vapor is something it's a mist it's, it's not here long. It's, I mean, I, it may last a couple of seconds. And then it's, even when it's here, it's like blown by the wind. There's no certainty with a vapor. There's no longevity with a vapor. A vapor is here and gone. And James talking to these other Christians saying, this is your life. Wake up. You think you're in control of your life? You think you're in control of your future? You think doing it your way without God is going to get the outcome you really want or really need? Oh, so you're sovereign. You got it all together. You don't need God. So go ahead and make your plans and watch how those plans work out. There was a book I read in high school called Of Mice and Men, and everybody knows the quote, the best laid plans of mice and men do often go astray. And that's a secular book. Because the truth is, unless we're seeking God's will, we're gonna be blown like the wind. A lot of people seeking to make millions of dollars, billions of dollars to be set, to be secure. What did Jesus say about the man who, who basically had two storehouses? He said, the day that, in the analogy, the day he had all his storehouses, his barns full, he said, So I can rest. And Jesus said to that person, You fool, fool. Today, your life is required of you. What am I trying to say? Keep God in the center of all you do. There's not one aspect. If you're married, when you kiss your spouse, God is there. When you raise your children, God is there. When you do that business plan, when you manage that program, when you go to work, when you lay down, God is there. Acknowledge him in every single aspect of your life. A lot of times we watch sports, and when the good play happens, the athletes, they they point up in the sky, they, (laughs) (laughs) let me do that again. (laughs) Right? That means what? I'm giving God glory. So why do you have to, like, routine that, bro, to, like, it's the same time. You've been doing it for five years. Like, is that really giving him glory? But you want to give God glory moment by moment. Consider God and what he is doing and what his will is for your life. You can do a lot of good things, but a good thing ain't God's thing. He goes on to say it is even a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. You would think James is done, right? Like, okay, he, he hit him hard. He's going like, to sandwich it right with the good and the, the rough and then the, the good to make him feel good. James. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this and that. What did he say? What you should be saying is, is this God's will to make this money, to marry this woman, to marry this man, to go on this vacation? To, to put this money away, to buy this house, to go to Japan. I just threw it out there. To go to the Vikings game. When you make plans outside of God, like you're saying, you're the one in control of your life, not God. Particularly when we do that in the world. Sometimes I struggle. Has anybody ever said this on your job? <sighs> Let's go over here tomorrow. I'm like, okay, Lord willing. And when you say it, what's, what's really happening? You're, you're giving attention to God. I'll give you an example if I just say tomorrow or if I say next year this time we're gonna have a three-story building and we're gonna raise $80,000, a million dollars and after we got the million dollars we're gonna get the building let's do it this or let's get Jared let's get let's get Bashad, let's get let's get Mike let's get everybody together and raise this money and do it woohoo it's gonna happen I'm telling you mark my word now, who gets the glory if I say it like that? Me. Now, what if I said like this? Hey, next year we're gonna raise money. For Sean and Jared and Mike, David, we're gonna do it. Lord willing. <laughs> like, what just happened? Right? <laughs> You're like, where's his confidence? Come on, we don't want somebody who's not confident. Be confident. Well, no, that's arrogance. You think I'm just saying this? Go back to James. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Come on, James. It's not that serious. Oh, but it is. Because when you go about saying this is what you're going to do without considering God in the equation, you're saying you are the one who's in control. You deserve the attention, not God. But as soon as you do that wont wah as soon as you point to God, what happens is He gets the attention because that's who deserves it. As a believer, our life is not to suck up and absorb all the attention. It's to reflect God's glory. Our hope is not that people look at us, but look at him. We can't really help people outside about telling them about Jesus Christ. It's a heart change. Nor will it. He goes on to conclude, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him. It's it. Like, come on. So when I do stuff now, I wrestle in the business meeting, talking with the C-level people, the C-suite people, making decisions. I'm like, okay, this is the plan. We need to raise $80 million next year. Let's go do it. How much money are you bringing? We brought in $27 million. Great, great job. Let's do it again next year. We're getting in eight, no, $90 million. And what if on all these means I start throwing out there, well, Lord willing, imagine if you do that on your job. People are like, that's never going to happen. I don't, work with unbel- I don't work with believers. I work with unbelievers. That's who needs to hear it. You're like, pastor, you started to mess with my money now because they might let me go. That's religion in the workplace. Not my will, but thine be done. Got a couple points, and we're done for the day. League stating your future plans without publicly acknowledging God's sovereignty over your life is both full of arrogance. I remember um, when I was in college, we were about to go to a game in Jacksonville Jaguar Stadium, and um, we were about to play against Howard University. And that game, I balled out. I did. I had a great game. It was awesome. I remember before the game, like, I got in to argue with somebody. Like, Bash, you're, the guy was saying, Bash, you ain't doing nothing, Bash. You know, and I was like, okay. I was like, check me out in five years, bro. And that game, I, like, balled out. And then I remember when I ran to the sidelines, he was the first person saying, he was cussing, like, that Bash is going to the league. And he was, like, angry. And I was like, I know. <laughs> yeah. Five years later, I was actually out of the league at that time. <laughs> to be honest, I'm just saying, not my will, but mine will be done. Like, it ain't about us. It's about him. We can't control tomorrow. I don't have the strength to guarantee what tomorrow is going to hold. Neither do you, but only one does, and that's Jesus. He should be master and Lord over every area of your life. Don't hold back from him. Give him every single inch of your life, even your future. God hates pride. We know that. God hates all pride. He is actively warred against pride. And basically, all pride is is independence from God. Remember what Satan said? Hey, I'll be like God. I don't need God. I want to be like him. I want people to worship me. I want the attention like him. Like that's, we don't need God for life. We don't need God for the next steps. Like that's, do we really need God? How many times do you seek God before you make decisions? Are you leaning on him or are you doing it on your own? Acknowledge our hope, acknowledging our hope that God will grant us a future on this earth is how we should qualify our comments about our future plans. Man, what about confidence, bro? I'm confident in Him. Like, I I need God every day. I need God right now. I'm going to need God as I leave here. I'm going to need God by the time I finish this sermon until I walk out this building. I need God. And as soon as you think that God is somebody you don't need, all He needs to do is just give you a wake-up call. He'll remove Himself, His protection from your life. And you realize how much you really need God. He's a good God. He's just not going to do it to prove a point. When God does that, he's trying to show you how much he loves you. Rules are designed by God to not only reveal our heart, but to protect us. I tell my son, don't don't jump on top of the oven when the heat is on. That will hurt you. And he looks at me like, oh, Father. Oh, silly man, you aren't. your will, but mine will be done. And then he'll hop up on there and die in the world, right? Like he's trying to, but, he, but does he realize I was trying to protect him? God is trying to protect you. When you start saying, I'm, these are my plans and I'm going to do this, and you try to get the attention, what you understand is you are starting to slide in the direction of the enemy of your soul. He's simply trying to protect you. We need to do this so that we'll do good in the sight of God. There's no act of humility that doesn't register to God. It's pride that we're trying to eliminate from our lives. I lived a life as an athlete based upon competition, which was full of pride. I'm stronger than the next person. I'm bigger than the next person. I'm faster than the next person. It's all about me, 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 me. But when I came to Jesus, I realized that's the wrong way. I don't have the strength or the capacity or the wherewithal to do God's will in my own strength. I can't love you as a pastor the way I'm supposed to without God. I can't love my wife regardless of how happy she makes me the right way without him. And you start realizing over time, our love in Christ isn't a love that seeks after reciprocity. We are to love God without expecting anything in return from our spouse, from our children, from the people we associate with. That's how God loves. God's not telling us to do this because he's trying to get us not to be cool or be popular or or prove ourselves. He's trying to protect us from ourselves. Who promised you tomorrow? Every day we have, every time we wake up, we should be so grateful and thankful. I can tell you at this point in my life, I've at least lost, I've lost at least, I'm sorry, I'm over 100 plus people that I've known who've passed away, over 100, easy. I don't know exactly what that number is. If I'm croaching on 200 or 150, I've seen I've I've buried people. I've done that. Like and you see it, you you think about man, this moment's coming for almost all of us. And my hope for you is that you, as Solomon says, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, he says, it's "Better to go to the graveyard than go to parties." You start thinking about that, you're like, why is it better? Because you'll be sober. The Bible says, count your days. Not years, days. Life is short, it can be great, it can be good, but make sure it's lining up with God's will. So it's prosperous, it's effective. Remember, our words reveal our hearts. So do gods. Watch what you say. Got a couple of questions, then we'll pray for you We're out of here. Anybody? Somebody want to break the ice? I've been the only one talking for a long time. Anybody learn anything today? One person, raise your hand, shout it out. Include God in your plans. So what difference does that make? Anybody? Say one more time. Thine will. Not my will, but thine will, Kings James. More purpose-filled. He might, oh, I didn't want to say that, but you're right. That's what I hope. He might change your plans. Tomorrow is not promised. My hope is that you begin to pray about your future planning, regardless of is it's just, just an hour or... It's a year. You got insurance. You got a will. You got all those good things. You got your IRA, Roth banging. Well, is it banging again now, Jared? Is it okay now? Because I looked Last time I looked I, lost, I saw some L's on there. We got some W's because <laughs> we were taking a beating. Them. My 401k is looking good again, right? I mean, is it, Jared? I mean, I'm talking to you. it's okay? <laughs> like, I mean, we're putting all our money in the 401ks and the thing. I'm looking, like, well, how did I lose that much money? I just. What happened? coming back i mean it goes up and down i mean is that what it's about the retirement we retire at age 65 and if we're chilling and then what back to work that, that's real I, you know me tell me there's all these ceos and c-suite people that are all nonprofit. they all retire and go work in non-profit i made enough money and i can give back and now they're leaders of them. They make the most money, in nonprofits. <laughs> like that ain't. Not, oh, never mind. <laughs> I don't think that's how it it is, All right. Like, what's this life about? It's about Jesus, you all. Like, don't get this twisted. This is about a man named Jesus Christ, who was the bravest human, even though we know it was God, who ever lived, and he did everything right, and he loves you. He's asking you to love him. That's what this is about. The greatest commandment is to love God. And he said, if you love me, you obey my commandments. Why? Because when you obey his commandments, his will, he gives glory out of your life. My hope for you today is that you allow him to use you for his great glory. Let's bow our heads and pray. We're going to have people to my right and to my left who will be up here to pray for you. If you if you want prayer after service. but. Before we get to prayer, I just have to ask this question. Is there anyone here today that you haven't made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior while every head is bowed and every eye is closed? Just raise your hand really quickly and put it down, and we're going to pray for you. Is there one? Is there somebody here today that you you wanted to come back to Jesus, and you know you're, you're distant from him, but you want to be right with him again while every head is bowed and every eye is closed? Just raise your hand and put it down. And I'll pray for you. Is there one? I see that hand. I see the hand. I see the hand. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I'm just going to pray for you really quickly. You know, God is good because I didn't think anybody would respond to this sermon. (laughs) But what do I know? I ask you to repeat this after me, even if you didn't raise your hand. Just say these words. Lord Jesus, I need you as head of my life. I turn from my sins and turn to your love. I surrender my will to your will. And I commit to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. There are a lot of people out today because of the weather. I always get all these text messages on Sunday telling everybody, hey, I'm not going to be there because of the weather. But you all made it out. Thank you for coming out and worship with us. If you said that prayer and you meant it, if you're really coming back to God, there's somebody to my left and to my right who will pray for you after service. This is real. This is Endurance Church. What are we? (laughs) I don't know yet. We're still figuring that out. And I know that probably is not the popular thing to say, but it's the truth. I'm just trying to follow Jesus, being led by a spirit. We're not trying to be seen. Maybe that'll happen, but our hope is that you fall in love with Jesus for yourself. One day your life will end. I'm not trying to scare you, but that's the truth. Unless Jesus comes back. And I want you to have all the confidence in the world that when you close your eyes here in this planet, you're going to wake up in Jesus' presence. And when you wake up there, look for me. Find me. I'm being serious. No, I'm, I'm, I'm real right now. Like, find me in heaven. Find me. My, find me. Dwayne, find me. Packer fans, find me. Packer fans. <laughs> and I want you to do something. Just, oh, Bear fans, please. Go ahead. There
0: you go. Um, I was just going to say, when um, the scripture was up there, I was looking it up right away and I have the NLT version and What it says in here is, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. And I just thought that was so cool. Yeah, so I didn't want you to miss it. Thank you. That's your whole point. No, I'm
1: just kidding. Um, So
0: (laughs) think about that. I don't know if it's still foggy out there right now, but
1: pretty cool. Amen. So that's confirmation. If you don't know what confirmation means, it's not coincidence because that word ain't biblical. Confirmation means God is trying to communicate something. Now, I'm not trying to say that you're going to die today or tomorrow. That's not what I'm saying. I'm trying to say, God's trying to say, put him first. There's things you want here on this earth, and they come when you put him first. But he gives you those things here on earth, not just so you can consume them here, but he's trying to build your hope in the future. There's an eternal reality coming that we will be with Jesus forever. And when you get up there, find me, and we'll talk about today. I want to know what you were going through, so remember, put in your little mental roller decks, what was going on in your life, Dwayne, today? I want to know what God was doing. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com endurancechurch, and like us on Facebook at facebook.com endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong.
0: And more.